Did you know that he... Uh, uh, Who's he? The, the star <laughs> of... Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? What's his name? George Clooney. George Clooney trained for months on his vocals so he could actually sing in that scene. I thought it was all dubbed in. And it was dubbed in afterwards. But he he really wanted it badly. He it's tried. Like, he, but he's not like a method guy. No, but he just wanted to be able to sing when the time came for right. him to be on camera singing. Right. And then uh, they were like, thanks, thanks, uh, George. And then just like dubbed over it. Something that I've learned recently is that most TV shows are dubbed. Like, so there's something called ADR. Mm-hmm. Or you know about this. ADR is like they film the shit and they record audio. But then for some reason, they go into a studio after and the actors like lip sync to the audio that they already recorded, like to get clean, even cleaner. Yeah, because sometimes even though they have a boom guy, the boom guy uh, can only do so much. You get like an airplane or you get like an engine somewhere. It just seems like when I heard that, I was like, man, that must make location sound guys or girls. (laughs) feel like absolute garbage (laughs) (laughs) thanks for recording all that sound anyway we're gonna just throw it all (laughs) here's your paycheck go home yeah you were more of a placebo It's Monster Manual Mash, actually, though. This is a yeah, podcast yeah. where we talk about a thing in particular, and that thing is monsters today, especially is the best monster, in my opinion, one of the best, uh, the Beholder. I feel like you, <laughs> this is kind of Pause your, for drama. And, uh, like, you and Wes, I feel like, will probably have each your own kind of, like, star shows, but this feels like your show. You just recently got a Beholder tattooed onto your fucking hand. <laughs> yeah. People come up to Visibly. me and they go, they go, Chris, why'd you get a Beholder tattooed on your hand? And I have insufficient answer for them. Well, I mean, it, like, if you ever encounter a Beholder that closely enough resembles the one tattooed onto your hand... <laughs> then you could be like, no, 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 I, I agree, I agree. Yours is the only perfect form. That's why. Yeah, that tattoo. Don't this vaporize tattoo me. is my insurance against uh, becoming vaporized by a beholder and simply being enthralled by one. Mm-hmm. That's what this guarantees. I have the tattoo because I really like them, and we'll explore why in this podcast at the end of this sentence, starting now. So you're turning <laughs> a corner and you see a beholder. What do you see? You see a spheroid body with a big gaping maw with teeth in it, and the big spheroid body also has, most prominently, a giant eye in the center. And on top of it, just one in the center, and then on top of it, crowning it, several others. I forget how many. I think all the pictures are different. It says in the book, probably, there's like 10 in the official one. Uh, And that's it, and it floats around. That's a pretty easy description to think about. It's a giant orb 
with a big eye in the middle with more eyes on top on little on little wisps or tentacles or segmented stalks depending on the individual and that's what flies around and tries to eat you or not it does lots of other things that's the thing that's what you are looking at the the pictures of it you can find throughout Dungeons and Dragons history are all very different and they all work which is something i really like about the beholder the original is really creepy it's a side view of a beholder like it's like it's you're looking down a corridor and yeah it's like you're looking down yeah also it's... sorry today we gotta we gotta talk about this uh first ever guests on the show uh you you can say your name hey, i don't know what you're going first by. time long time <laughs> i'm first time long time of, uh <laughs> I my name is Carl and I'm a first time long time monster manual mash uh long time listener first time caller <laughs> and uh I'm excited to be here this is one of my favorite monsters but also I wanted to be here because I have a very small sliver of knowledge to contribute about it yeah yeah we'll get we'll get into his speci speciality in a bit but right now we're gonna he brought up the image of the AD&D first appearance, Greyhawk, 1975, Beholder. It, is, it can only be described as like a child's drawing of their most horrible nightmare. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you're looking down a corridor, imagine being an adventurer looking down a corridor, and then this thing at the T, at the end of the intersection of a corridor, this thing has just emerged but hasn't quite turned to look at you. <laughs> And it's just kind of mumbling something to itself. Its lips are all kind of wiggly and strange. And it's not yeah. like aggressive or menacing, but it is definitely not right. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, it's got this weird like crusty It's totally skin. crusty. It's scabbed yeah. over. It's got like tectonic plates all over its body. The eye stalks look like... They're uh, noodly. They're very noodly. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, uh, they look like they could easily be broken off. Yeah. And it looks like it's in the middle of mumbling to itself and you and it, the eye is turned even though it's in the front of its face it's turned to almost face the viewer like it's just about to see you and something bad is about to happen <laughs> it's great it's my favorite image um of the beholder and then later editions because they have to make every monster into something that you just fight <laughs> with a hammer or a sword make them way more aggressive yeah the the cover there's another great one the cover of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, the the Greyhawk supplement, I think. Um, supplement one for Greyhawk rules for fantastic medieval war game <laughs> campaigns playable with paper and pencil and miniature figures. <laughs> Not which was then shortened to Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the there's a beholder on the cover that looks uh, like it is so bored with you. It's yeah, it's the smooth circle. It and it's, it's perfectly smooth. It looks like it's wearing lipstick. It might be wearing lipstick, yeah. or it might just be that luscious. Yeah. Um. It, it has this like glazed look on its eye. It it's very glazed bored, over, right? and it's bored, and it's looking at you. And next to it is a, a a fighter, a knight who is like really reluctant to try and hit it. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of looks like a sexy moon. Totally. Yeah. With, uh, with scraggly hair that's, yeah. that's... <laughs> with really bad like shaved most of its hair is shaved except for some really prominent dreadlocks that's just um... because it's using its charm ray on you yeah. <laughs> well and also the, it kind of hey. looks like that uh, like mid 90s new metal band oh yeah braids. yeah yeah the dread braids oh, yeah, yeah dread little braids. mini dreads oh fuck that's so good that's a good image 
Later ones, they get, like I said, they get more aggressive. The figures you see for them are much more aggressive and less plainly weird and strange. And those work too, although they're not my favorite. And they work because the creature is is pretty frightening by itself. Yeah, there's one on the cover of the entire monster manual. Exactly. It's like, this is the first monster that you see. And it does a good job of being, uh, it's definitely like a toothy menace about to bite and cause some havoc. But it's still kind of strange because the mouth, it's like, it's aggressive, but it also could just be like, uh, it's kind of like it's screaming to itself. Like it looks nervous. Yeah. Well, I don't think, like given its physiology, it doesn't really look like it can make any other face. No, that's true. It's probably just saying hello. And that's what's yeah. uh, freaking everyone out. Well, they give you these little descriptions though mm-hmm. of what's happening on the cover. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. On the cover. Raymond's Swanland illustrates the uh, Xanathar, uh, illustrates the Xanathar ambushing uh, explorers in the darkest depths of the Undermountain, um, proving that the Beholder crime lord's interests run deep beneath the city of Waterdeep. So, (laughs) before getting into anything else, we know that there are Beholder crime lords. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that there was whole Beholder societies. Like, I've always thought of the Beholder as, like, the quintessential dungeon... Yeah, bound monster like you are in you're underneath a castle you are in corridors made of stone bricks and you are in a maze and you come around a corner and a beholder is there yeah and that is something i definitely uh uh ramble on about a lot on this podcast is like <laughs> everything seems to have to have a place in the ecology of the world because uh because of existing campaign settings like the xanathar and the whole thieves guild thing that's uh, forgotten realms and other um campaign settings have their own versions of the beholder but they're all very um institutionalized uh, spelljammer uses beholders pretty prominently but they they are one of the most dangerous villainous races in the world and they fly around in spaceships but they spend most of their time doing uh civil wars against each other because of their whole obsession with racial purity and looking anything that doesn't look like them they hate especially other beholders so they spend all their time flying around killing people and then eberron has beholders that are used as artillery underground in great wars of evil gods versus other evil things and it's this great big uh utility that they have the fifth edition as written here for like forgetting the the cover which is like i don't know uh I know, I know who Xanathar is. I know kind of the the placement that they're in. But if you just picked up this book for the first time, you'd have no idea what they're talking about in that. I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the one in this, if you just read this book, it seems more unique, and I think that is the best way to do it. Is they are a completely unique creature, except there's some really good stuff in it to suggest why there would be a whole race of them, but their culture is still centered on their um individuality and each one like they don't want to make a culture they don't want to trade with each other and like and develop the beholder culture they want to kill all the other ones because they're afraid Mm -hmm. because it it sort of mentions in here that um they they think every beholder individually thinks that it is like the pinnacle of creation it's the best thing that exists it's got the perfect form it's the way that everything is supposed to be and they think that even about every other individual beholder 
because some of the, they all look a little bit different. Like some of them are slimy and some of them are scaly and some of them have jointed eye stalks and they all look a little bit different. So you can, as long as it's like a central eye and a giant mouth on an orb surrounded by other eyes on little stalks of some kind, you can really kind of take any kind of liberty with that that you want and it's still fine. I mean, we take all kinds of liberties with monsters in this book. We, we made lizards kind of our job weasels here. and stuff. Yeah. yeah, but that's kind of built into the, the, the beholders and also... But they 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 think that they're better than every other beholder too, right? Like any other beholder is like a, is like an insult to their perfect form. Right. Here's the thing. Maybe we should go through um, and kind of summarize the points that it gives us yeah. to give a full fuller understanding of what we're talking about here. The first thing, and these these three words come up in almost every edition: aggressive, hateful, and greedy. That's like the three main things about them. They're aggressive, they're hateful, and they're greedy. Uh, spheroid body levitates all the times. When the beholder sleeps, it closes its central eye, but the others stay awake. Which this is important when you kind of put together some other stuff you learn about them later. They are xenophobic isolationists. They are convinced... That's a great name for like a, a black metal band. <laughs> 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 it's a little on the nose. A little but, on the yeah. nose, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, they are convinced others resent them, and they are paranoid of all others, including other beholders, like Wes was saying. Um, they are also known to be something called eye tyrants, which are despot beholders that enslave other creatures, and they found and control vast empires, sometimes under cities, so that they can use a network of agents to meddle in the affairs above them. Um, I, the, the reason I think, and you also see a lot of, uh, cute uses for beholders showing up as like bartenders in, in like one of the D and D games, <laughs> uh, uh, and like Xanthar is the crime boss of Waterdeep. Um, so he, he's some, he's a beholder you can actually run into and have business with. Um, and I think they do this because, uh, a lot of writers who write role-playing games just love beholders very much. Yeah. <laughs> there's um uh one of the quests in baldur's gate 2 which is based on Dungeons dragons it uses the D um rules for like uh, a second edition like the, the the that's the game mm-hmm. works on that it's, it's the same thing and there's a quest where um there's a cult that is le- led by a beholder but it's, it's it was a partially blinded beholder and so it's like this weird telepathic beholder that's living underneath like the church district and then people start worshiping it hanging out in the sewers beneath all the churches worshiping this thing and you got to go figure out like why is everyone hanging out in the sewers what's up with this cult and it's, it's a beholder that's leading a cult yeah yeah did, what was what about it being blind did that change anything i think it got so angry about the fact that it couldn't see that it started uh getting more telepathic and it just like willed itself and having other powers and then it had some kind of like oh it became like a beholder daredevil yeah sort of thing like that I think that was it. Um, I forget exactly. It's been a long time since I played that. But I do remember um, there being a, a cult led by a beholder in that game. Well, that seems like the kind of thing a beholder would do. I think they they might. And here's the thing that uh, about them that could explain why they would do that when I think the description in the book is kind of contradictory because it says they're xenophobic isolationists. But then they in, they found empires and have networks of agents and they try to meddle in other people's affairs. Um, why why these two different ideas? And I think I read something 
um, on a blog as I do about this kind of thing. And there's the idea of a creature that has telekinetic ability, which the the beholder has from one of its eyes. It can move things telekinetically. When you can do that and you can float around on a whim, like, and it takes no effort to move any object you can see, more or less, you might start thinking of the world not in terms of, like, me here object over there but like that object is a part of me just waiting for my mind to tell it to do something so the world your environment is actually your body you consider the space around you to be you because you can manipulate it and you can charm creatures and monsters Mm -hmm. so even other individuals are subject to your whim so you kind of consider everything around you to be you and other creatures like human beings or elves or whatever goblins living in your space are less intruders invading your home but bacteria and parasites that like live among your stuff and in your body and some of them are good and you want to like drink probiotic yogurt or whatever and like keep the goblins happy because they defend you (laughs) and you want to keep the bad ones out yeah um so that is an explanation as to why a beholder might be totally xenophobic, but also try to manipulate other creatures and deal with other creatures. Yeah. <laughs> totally, dog. Now, my question for both of you is do you yeah. think that this do you think that the beholder is actually named after like a play on words? Uh it's gotta be. Like beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Totally, yeah. There, there are a bunch of supplements uh, that play with that title, okay. the early ones. Um, I might be, yeah. I think for some reason I remember them being actually called Eye Eyes of the Beholder, but I think that's I might be making that up. I feel like I remember there being like a supplemental adventure. There was like an like a a campaign you yeah. could buy called like the Eye of the Beholder. Yeah, probably. Like I think West might be looking it up right now but, no i'm just uh, looking up the word beholder okay um I, uh, as part of the research for this show i looked up some beholder quotes mm-hmm, around yeah. the, the uh the origin the origin of it apparently it's uh from third century bc in greek but it doesn't say where from and then it kind of uh, I found some, uh, yeah, uh, Margaret Wolf Hungerford, who wrote many books often under the pseudonym of the Duchess, which is like a really cool pseudonym to have as a lady. That's in, the lead the singer. That's the lead singer of xenophobic isolationist. <laughs> the Duchess. <laughs> Her name is, uh, she wrote a book called Molly Molly Bond in 1878, and it contains the line, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, <laughs> and then this weird website Please where I found that, this yeah. information says, The 1980s saw the coining of the term beer goggles, the increased <laughs> attractiveness of, uh, well, it says the opposite sex, but it's 2018 or gender fluid here, and uh, when one is drunk, and the rather tortured joke. When wearing beer goggles, beauty is in the eye of the beer holder. (laughs) (laughs) So, it seems to um, uh, mean, like, uh, a container and also, uh, like, somebody who's watching something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, uh, here's why I think... That's really good, and this approaches the meat of why I think a Beholder is the best monster. Um, oh, wow. Whoa, hold on, hold on a second. Okay, so you what? think the Beholder is the best monster? In, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, 
I'll I, I uh, reserve only, you're only into the bees. I reserve the right to change my mind at times, but I think I keep going back to the beholder. Um, and I'm not simply saying that because I have to justify the tattoo in my hand. <laughs> um, the the thing about the beholder, and you get this information um, in bits and pieces until they came out with Volo's guide to monsters which is the supplement they came out with with a bunch of more monsters and uh, uh pages on the ecologies of certain monsters and one of them is the beholder and one of the things they do in this fifth edition monster manual is they tell you that when you go near a beholder hive or a beholder lair rather that has regional effects so big deal monsters have regional effects which are things that happen when you simply go near where they live and one of the things is you feel watched at all times and the other thing is minor warps in reality when it sleeps which is kind of interesting because in volo's guide they go on to describe the creation of beholder they don't mate like you or i they don't do cellular osmosis or any of the things that we know in biology what happens is a beholder will dream and sometimes they'll dream of another beholder and when they wake up that beholder is right there in their lair and they must immediately fight to the death for control of the lair because each beholder thinks they're the only one um so think about that think about that for a yeah, second yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna put myself in the shoes of a beholder that just came into existence right, right. i i wasn't a thing before and now here i am and somebody else is screaming at me uh, trying to kill me, but right? you, but you are because you're a dream fragment. Yeah. You still think you are you. You still think you're the individual because oh, I remember my dream reality yeah, because as my when you dream of reality. yourself yeah. doing things, it's still you, right? But then that you that's like slightly off comes right. Out. So you wake up from a dream, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you're the dream you or the original you, you still have to fight yourself because yeah a slightly because different looking being... version of yourself and then you go on living your life and then you dream about like another thing that looks like you and you don't see things that look like you very often and then you wake up from your dream and then there it is yeah <laughs> so yeah like there's yeah. there's probably uh like there might be a primary source for the beholder like right. one entity or one thing that started multiplying itself by dreaming yeah and you're all splinters of the same individual and uh you have to deal with that and this justifies why they're so paranoid and xenophobic because they think everything's out to get them so much that when they dream, they create enemies in their heads. And when they wake up, those enemies are real. <laughs> so their paranoia is justified because they're so paranoid. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's, a self-fulf- yeah. it's literally a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. If it, it, Every time they go to sleep. So this is why the central eye closes when they go to sleep. But the top eyes are still fucking bugging out everywhere because they're looking for enemies because they're going yeah. to appear if it has a nightmare. Just or a because bad dream. you're paranoid, d- don't mean that you're not subconsciously creating people to be after you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's it's we call it paranoia. They call it like that's just how you uh, live in. Yeah. That's yeah. called morning coffee for these guys. <laughs> um, and the, yeah. So the 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 phrase "beauty in the eye of the beholder" is like everything is subjective to everyone. The the value of something is only within you. And for a beholder, this is actually physically true because anything, its subjective experience of the world, its dream, its mind is actually expressed in the physical reality around it. So the older a beholder gets and the more time it spends in one place, I would say, and I don't think this is in the book anywhere, but you should make it reflect its dream world 
more and more physically. So things don't have to make sense. This is a great way to do the, the what D&D does best, which is like really disconnected elements kind of thrown at people with no explanation given other than like a wizard did it. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in a cave and all of a sudden there's a furnished bedroom in the middle of the cave. And it's yeah. kind of eerie and weird and you keep going through there and then there's uh, you, you just all this other weird stuff. You yeah, know? like weird impossible traps that like, why would you put this here if you ever wanted to get in here yourself? Like, why would you do that? Uh, uh, totally implausible rooms and monsters and things. And like, you could find cons- like a couple goblins have like this crazy conspiracy against the beholder because the beholder dreamt about it. And that now it's there. Everything you could think of is there now, except what it fights when it wakes up. Um, so that is kind of the, I guess what I'm getting at is that it's a sympath, it's the most sympathetic monster. <laughs> Because the thing it represents, the niche, the psychological hook it has is that, uh, is like crippling paranoia, I think. Uh, and it doesn't inflict it on you. You deal with the ramifications of an individual who's experiencing that problem. And it, it like, if it fights you, it, it's lashing out at you for, uh, because it fears you because of what is going on in itself. Yeah. And I think that is why the beholder is like, um, is, is used by people to be like a bar- cute bartender. And there was one on Futurama and stuff. Like it was, uh, uh, it's like, and it's, it's design also is like, it's monstrous and ugly, but it's like ugly cute. Yeah. Because it's just a little ball face, yeah. right? And, uh, um, it's, it's alien, but also primal because it's just an eye and eyes are very primal. Eyes turn up in mythology and, and our symbolism, uh, all the time. Um, but it's still super alien and strange and something you would find underground for sure and not, uh, like walking among us. And, uh, uh, yeah, that's, that's all, that's a bunch of reasons why I think it's the best. <laughs> Let's hear your reasons why it's not. <laughs> Or uh, can we dip into Carl's Cacodemon Corner? Absolutely. Carl's yeah. Cacodemon Corner. I'll, I'll uh, send you some sound effects to insert here, inc- including the sound that the Cacodemon makes, which is like a, when you run into it, it goes like... Oh, yeah. It, like a loud kind of like lightning hiss. And then when it dies, I'll, I'll send you the sound file so that when I'm done talking, you can play the death sound because it kind of goes... We'll also compare your version to the yeah. the real deal. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, uh, Cacodemon is a monster in Doom. Uh, Doom being the computer game that was then translated to a bunch of platforms. And the Cacodemon is this big red ball, uh, bumpy red ball uh of demonic power that lurks around in the uh, world of doom which is mars and uh a cacodemon uh i mean all the monsters in doom attack you they don't do anything other than attack you they don't talk to you they don't telekinetically move anything they do sometimes you can uh convince them to attack each other but other than that they're basically all just attacking you because that's where ai was at the time um but it's undeniably like when you see a cacodemon it is undeniably based upon a beholder and I felt that way. I have felt that way my whole life since I have been playing <laughs> Doom and D and D. Probably started roughly around the same time, and sure enough, it turns out that the actual 
image of the cacodemon was directly <laughs> cropped out of the cover of uh, something called the Manual of the Plains, which uh, I guess Wes has a copy of um, somewhere. And uh, they essentially just lifted lifted the exact illustration of it and turned it into a bitmap and then uh made it into a monster in the game and uh it's a pretty scary monster within the game it shoots fireballs at you it doesn't have tentacles on its head but it has um a uh it doesn't have eye stalks but it has like a bunch of horns that are coming out so it still kind of has the same like look of a spheroid body with like a uh kind of like wild hair of a sort um and uh yeah cacodemons are probably i'll say that they're my favorite doom monster yeah what why why are they your favorite uh i think just because they're they're definitely the monster that is like when you i don't want to say they're the creepiest because there are certain monsters in doom that are creepier because you can hear them before you see them like you can hear, uh, I'm forgetting what it's called, but there's a monster that basically looks like a giant minotaur Satan monster, but that's like part android, and you can kind of hear it moving it's the around. The cyber demon, yeah, the cyber yeah. demon, and it kind of goes like you can hear it sometimes through walls, like kind of just going like like walking around, and so when you hear that, it's creepy. But the thing that's creepy about cacodemons and that I think it. I think they were the first uh, monster in those original Doom games that like really pulls you into the world and actually makes you kind of like jump out of your seat a little bit because they are silent and for the most part you don't you hear them before you see them so you are like you enter a room or you turn a corner or you walk past something that you don't realize is an alcove and then all of a sudden you hear like this hissing sound and often it's like very close to you so you turn around and then you see this giant red ball with an eye and it's like shooting multiple fireballs at you and it's uh like doom is kind of a game that's based around those kind of uh surprises or like the mo- the most effective parts of that game are based around those surprises and that's what the cacodemon is like all about silent floating head that just yeah. makes a hissing noise next to your ear yeah just kind of like sleeping there and um did they steal the image? I know like the word cropping is such a like neutral <laughs> verb yeah, I mean, for what they did. See, I, <clears throat> were they allowed to do this? What it's happened? hard to like. It's the resemblance is uncanny. Yeah. Let's say that. Like there is the uh, picture on the front of the manual of the planes, and then like if you look at the cacodemon here, I'll try and pull them up into different I, I, yeah it's very like it's the same it is shot yeah. like almost uh you know like almost like copyright infringement that's what i'm saying <laughs> like <laughs> look, look at that that's for sure the same thing but like who was paying attention to video games at the time no one no, really no I, one that could <clears throat> do anything about this probably i don't think that um I don't know if the founders of ID Software like realized how big Doom was going to be when they right. made it, um, and I don't know if there have been any like legal challenges related to this. But it is sh- like it's pretty shocking to see, like, because the the Cacodemon has become like the iconic 
doom monster like it's yeah. on the cover of all the all the doom games like even like the doom wiki that i'm looking at like the icon for the yeah. for the whole thing is a cacodemon it's a little anime cacodemon yeah and like even the the little icon for the website like on your on your browser tab is a cacodemon like they are everywhere in in doom lore and doom culture and doom culture (laughs) well like you know like the doom the underworld yeah (laughs) and they're also the most iconic monster of D &D. and D &D and doom are two huge empires and it i i can't believe that this has happened with no legal challenge or no like not that i'm aware of well we're we're blowing the lid open on this whole thing here yeah (laughs) maybe we're the first people you heard it here first so uh that's been carl's cacodemon corner uh you know first time long time i'm happy to be just happy to be here and sitting around thank you for having me on thanks for bringing the corner yeah um i Maybe I can, uh, I'll put together like a little picture that you guys can post to Instagram, like a little square yeah, side by side comparison, because it's, when you see it, it's shocking. Like even down to the, <laughs> it, is, it is, it even, is shocking. like even, even down to, uh, the, the cover of the manual of the planes has this, like the upper lip of the beholder is kind of like slightly lightly colored. And it's the same, like it is guys, <laughs> like don't. Stop arguing with yeah. me. <laughs> Although it's not quite a beholder on the cover of the manual. Well, that's, of the so that's the yeah. other thing that uh, <laughs> no lawsuit. Totally it blows, wasn't beholder yeah, that we ripped off. Totally blows yeah. apart my. Uh, well, no, they, it could, it's definitely still like uh, uh, copyright infringement, but it's uh, it's strange because they took it from D and D and then made it more like a beholder, which is a D and D monster. <laughs> yeah. That'll throw them off the trail. But you can't you can't copyright. The idea of a floating eye, <laughs> like or a floating eye monster, yeah. can you really? You can try. Yeah, <laughs> I think you can try unsuccessfully. But it's kind of one of. I feel like what you're getting at is that it's kind of one of those monsters that is like, uh, um, who's that guy who writes about mythology all over the world? Joseph Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Yeah, it's kind of like a primordial fear image, <laughs> like right. a, a floating eye that. Uh, moves things and kills you (laughs) (laughs) i think the idea uh the idea with the the floating eye first of all because it's so iconic over here like the cacodemon because it's so it's used so much i think that might be because first of all it's a circle with a big face and human beings really like faces it Mm -hmm. makes us really like things with faces um and it's it's a circle so you can use it as an icon very well and spheres are i think just kind of attractive to us for some reason maybe because of their like geometric uh purity i don't know this is like pure speculation but like circles turn up all the time and it's one of the only circle type monsters and it's very easy to remember and eyes in mythology and religion tend to mean the eye of god usually like uh, the Eye of Providence on all uh, your American greenbacks. Um, it's God and like the Eye of Horus and the Eye of Ra. It's like God looking at creation. The Eye of Providence, I think, is like that's kind of actually what it means. It's God looking down at creation and the sense of being watched, which is one of the things that a beholder makes you feel if you even go near it, is that you're being watched. But the watcher is 
in this case, the beholder is like introverted. He's like looking at himself all the time because he's so paranoid and dreaming things that come to life. So he's actually looking inwards as much as he's looking outwards. But you get when you go near him, the danger is getting caught in his gaze of like a of a god who like doesn't care about you and like you're kind of entering its space um, that didn't include you before, but now it's got its eyes on you. And I think um, maybe the experience of being human is like also if you're not used to we have a panopticon more or less now in our society but like if you were just without that and you have just like some people around you do you ever feel when you're alone that you're still being watched or that there's like an entity or a god that's looking your ancestors are seeing what you're doing that's the thing that people feel and i think the beholder kind of plays with that <laughs> yo yeah I think, it, I think it depends on what you're doing when you're alone <laughs> oh but, dude yeah i know right yeah but yeah. Well, that, you feel that your ancestors the watching you with shame all the time. <laughs> yeah. They got nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, they're just they're, oh, they're out man. there. Yeah. I I think I don't know. I what I like about beholders is there's a lot of like this is weird juxtaposition between like the stuff I didn't really think about before is much like the relatable aspects of the beholder. <laughs> like they're like they're sympathetic. Like yeah. it's, they see, that that to me is a controversial opinion because to me they seem like quite possibly the most alien right well that's what that's they're the non, juxtaposition of that humanoid and, and that yeah they're not they don't they're not they're literally not connected to earth yeah <laughs> they yeah. float above it like several feet or more mm-hmm. uh and they just they have like a completely alien kind of like look to them yeah well that's 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 yeah that's the thing right it's because on, on one level they're like you can you can kind of put yourself in a beholder's it doesn't have shoes, but like, and it's in its in its place, right? Because you can you can you can think like, all right, well, I'd be pretty freaked out if I didn't know what was real, and I thought kind of everything was real and nothing was real, and I had all these powers, and everything was out to get me, and I kept dreaming about stuff that tried to kill me. So what are dreams? What are it's just like Philip K. Dickian kind of like weird hellscape they totally, live in all the yeah. time. At the same time, they are far and away some of the most alien, weird creatures like in this book that. Um, they're literally reality warpers. Like they don't experience reality. This, even though the, you can interact with them, and they're on the same. If you're if, if, a character, and you know, if you're whatever, in, in the, within the narrative, you could, they're like on the same plane as you. They're on the same planet you're on. It's right in front of you, but it's not experiencing the same reality that you are because it's warping reality around it all the time by right? accident, unwillingly. Yeah, totally. And they're just weird things, you know. They're yeah, just they're like just simply strange. Floating. They're just extremely alien. Yeah. And there's something because like if you look at it, it's just like a face with teeth and eyes that are looking at you. And if you look at any animals that are like predatory animals, like the kinds of animals that um, ate a whole bunch of our ancestors, it's they have forward facing eyes and like a lot of teeth. Any predatory animal has to has to be able to look ahead. So that's kind of the last thing a lot of people would see is like just the eyes and flash the teeth, of eyes. Right. Yeah. One yeah. of the uh, uh, things about the eyes also um, maybe why they're so importance and why they're it makes a good monster is because um eye contact is also a big deal for human beings and the social creatures there's often a taboo of like avoiding eye contact with royalty or your betters people in a higher class you can't even make eye contact uh the eye of ra is not just the presence of ra but it also represents the destructive force of the sun which is like at the same time, it's it's the eye, but it also destroys you if you are under its gaze because it's so intense. The beholder uh, is so intense 
that being looked at might kill you. And we have that feeling with people who are intense, even uh, just like people in our day-to-day lives who we think highly of, we, we might have a strange reaction to their eye contact or if like our, our, if our boss is yelling at us or uh, if someone you are intimate with is you, you've hurt them or something, it's hard to look people in the eye sometimes. And this is all eye. The beholder is just a big eye, and you have to deal with what it's doing. Wes, can I ask, is is this your favorite monster, or where would it rank on your... You don't have to say your favorite monster, but, like, is it in your top ten? Yeah, this would be in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> Easy okay. top ten. Right. But, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't place it... Like, there's still... We still got a ways to go, and there's a couple other ones that yeah. I, I think would give it a real kind of run for its money, I think, in my in my opinion. There's some, there's some other real weirdos in so, here. So, okay, so then yeah. here... I, I know you guys usually get into a discussion of, like, how to... Because, uh, again, I'm first time a long time, but... Uh, You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, doing great. I know you guys usually get into a discussion of, like, how to uh, work beholders into your games, or, like, how to work uh, monsters into your games, mm-hmm. and so... I'm just going to come right out and say it. I have never encountered a beholder in uh, probably like over a decade of cumulative D&D. More than that, actually. Probably close to two decades of cumulative <laughs> D&D playing. I've never encountered a beholder in a game. And I'm, uh, obviously, that's uh, at least uh, at least 50%, if not more, dependent on the DM. But have either of you encountered beholders and or have you worked beholders into your game? Well, <clears throat> I've encountered one once before in a game I was playing, um, but it was it wasn't like a thing we had to fight. It was a very weird encounter because what happened was we were just doing some other shit in a cave in the underdark or something, and then we noticed like some of the cave wall was like melting a little bit, and then the cave wall fell apart, and there was just a beholder just like disintegrating the rock and it was just digging a hole through like the stone and then we were like in a cavity in a cave uh and then it just was like ah screaming and like just kind of screamed past us and then like laser beamed its way back into the hole to keep going and it was just we were just walking along it's a very strange little encounter that so we didn't fight it we just kind of i saw it pass by which is a which which is weird um but i don't know i've never worked it into a game but what i would do is it's one of the only i wouldn't want it to just be like you turn around it's just like a random encounter sort of thing it should be a whole event but um i don't think i think it would be best if you didn't realize that you were if there was no clue that you're going to be coming anywhere near a beholder until weird shit started happening until you started to feel watched and until like writing on the walls kept changing and until like statues got slimy for no reason then suddenly weren't slimy and then all of a sudden they're like vertical shafts and it gets really hard to navigate maybe you're stuck in a cave and you gotta you're at the entrance so you gotta like move around a little bit and find a new way out and then the only way out is through this beholder's lair and just things start getting really weird you start having weirder dreams and it you know it turns out the only way out is past this like uh this this thing and then you get to know the thing before having to fight it and get out of there and that would just be the strange alien experience underground that's the way i would do it but that's a very specific scenario i've yeah. done uh uh long ago in high school i've tried to use so in the book there are different versions of the beholder there's like a whole list of uh, uh permutations you can use um, in, in this book, there are two more. There's the Death Tyrant, which is an undead 
beholder that has a dream that it dies and continues living and then wake up ta-da he's that's what's going on and then there's the the spectator i think is it or yeah the i love the names spectator. i love the names of all of the because the names all, are great they're all super creepy it's all like uh the observer and the uh the uh orbis the examiner lensman lensman the watcher <laughs> yeah they're they're great but the uh um i think it was the director <laughs> Yeah, the spectator is a smaller one that's like kind of like a beholder, but it's not as intelligent and doesn't have as much um, action, uh, doesn't have as much control over its own life. That was like the spectator, a smaller, uh, less powerful version. And I made it, I, I alluded to the villains in, in my campaign working and enticing a beholder to work with them, and it scared everybody. And when the, it finally came down, for the encounter where the the PCs ambushed the villains, including the the new beholder spectator thing. Uh, they started the ambush, they fought it, and they killed it in like two rounds. And it was really anticlimactic. Um, and not in a way like I'm, I'm fine with a fight ending in a few hits because of good planning and like, an, uh, like a really irrecoverable first attack, right? I, I like combat as war instead of combat as sport. But this was this wasn't that. This was just like uh, the the numbers just didn't add up, and it was it didn't work out. And since then, my opinion is that like most of the monsters, it should be a really big deal and unique, and it needs to be at least as powerful as it is in fifth edition. The main beholder is like a challenge rating eleven. It's got a bucket of hit points and really high stats, and it can shoot. Three. I don't even think we talked about what it actually can do. Oh, yeah. The eye stalks on the top of its head uh, shoot lasers at you. Each one is a different spell, usually. And the way this beholder works is, I can't remember exactly, but it's either it can target whoever it wants, and then it rolls randomly for what the what which eye actually shoots. Yeah. So you it it cannot control what it actually does in a combat situation. It just. Uh, freaks out and flails and shoots whatever it can at you. Well, it picks three targets and then it randomly does three different things. Okay. To those those three targets. Right. But also it's got a legendary action so it can do some extra stuff and it also shoots a random eye beam. Right. So it's just too. it's just non-stop shooting lasers yeah. at people and lasers do different things like uh sleep and petrify and one of them is just disintegrate which just like kills you. It can charm you or it, it can, can charm paralyze you. you. It can slow you down. Yeah, like half of half of them are um, will take you out of the fight almost entirely. Yeah. There's just a straight up death ray too. Yeah, there's a death ray that just kills yeah. you. And the central eye, the main eye, if it looks at you, there's a cone of effect from its eye to whatever it's looking at where uh, it's called an anti-magic ray where magic doesn't work, which means it can't technically, and this is how the tactical, the interesting tactical things that you have to use and play with when you're running a beholder is that you cannot shoot the magical eye rays into an area affected by the cone of anti-magic. So you have to point it at spellcasters, but it means you can't hurt them, So, which means you have to figure out other ways that it attacks people. So either it like uses uh, minions or the strange effects of its dreamscape uh, room that it's in. Or it bites you. Or it bites you, which is also like a imagine this horrible thing coming close enough to bite you with its yeah. 
its body is floating its after face. you and just chomping it. It's like a giant. If you're the ghost and it's Pac Man and you're in it. Oh tunnels. man, that's a terrible. Yeah. That's a terrible. That's a great way to play. It. <laughs> <laughs> You, but it, it can turn the anti magic cone off if it wants to. Yeah, it can just yeah. it can close its eye. It can still see everything because the yeah. other eyes. But that's like a tactical decision you have to make, um, which can be fun. And yeah, the eyes are very powerful. So this it's like a really powerful. It's uh, I think people use it as like a really big mid level boss. So like level ten characters and stuff. This would be like the end of a campaign, or something like that. If you if your the aim is to defeat it. Um, and I used I used a big deal one in one of my games recently, and uh, didn't make fighting it the point. It was like used by other people to do things, and it could be convinced and talked to if you approached it with the right mindset. Um, and they did end up kind of fighting it once or twice, but it they just ran away after they realized it was really powerful, and then they came back with um, more negotiation uh, fuel. They figured out other ways around it, which is the best way to do it, I think. And they ended up using the Beholder against their other enemies. Um, I wish I could... To, to explain more would be to explain the entire campaign. So that's basically it. You don't have to fight them. You just have to deal with the insanity of what they are like. Um, or even you have to walk through their space, kind of like Wes was saying. You just have to deal with the strange dreamscape and like the Beholder is there. And maybe you want to fight it, maybe you don't. The book says that they collect treasure and trophies. So um, maybe to like remind themselves that they're the boss hog and that they are powerful, strong individuals. Maybe that's their way of like uh, self-help to remind them that it's not all bad. <laughs> uh, so they have stuff. Yeah, you could do some weird things. You could have a beholder that um, is the curator of a museum. And the museum is all people that it's stuff from people that it's killed. But the first thing it does is... <laughs> all good. So the museum is all like stuff from people that it's killed or the petrified bodies of the people that it's killed. But the first thing it does is give you a tour of its sweet museum. Mm-hmm. And then you can't leave. And the whole time it's telling you about how much it hates you, but you can't leave without seeing everything. Mm-hmm. Because you're not from its place, so it needs something else to see what it does. So that it's not the only one looking at itself. Yeah. What I, the, the thing, the action I had it doing is it was using a big telescope used to look at the stars. And uh, this like cult was using it for astrology, or sorry, astronomy. And it had turned it. Um, to look at itself and it had a bunch of golems that were uh, like looking through it and writing down so it had reams of papers full of maps of its own skin just like littering the place and it just stood in front of the the telescope uh for who knows how long while these golems just like mapped its body um so you could just have it doing strange play with the idea that it's it's totally self-centered yeah and uh paranoid you can have, I think a good way to do it is also involve it in plots that other creatures have because yeah. it creates the plots against itself. Uh-huh. So they're out there. So you can have something you want and you have to like get involved in this like beholder conspiracy to kill it or circumvent it or something. Um, you heard of gas spores? Gas spores? Yeah. No. They are in the AD&D book. They are, they look... They're one of those monsters that Gary Gygax made to um, really mess with the players and their expectations in like to like not the characters, like the players, like yeah, yeah. The, to confound the people trying to win at your game. 
they look like beholders, mm-hmm. except when you touch them, they explode <laughs> in a in a poisonous gas. Right. So that you would have an adventurer ready to ambush the beholder, and then they hit it with a sword, and then they die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, uh, I'm not a huge fan of the FU uh, yeah. monsters and traps too much. I think a little goes a long way. But what I like about it is that I think this is something that a beholder would actually keep yeah. around its place. For sure. 100%. Yeah. It would, it would just keep a couple like duplicates, as long as they're perfect duplicates of itself. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Floating around. I guess I wouldn't mind because if they're inferior, it's like, no, no, these are just tools that I'm using the stupid bipeds aren't going to realize that it's not me. I'll just send these things floating around, you know? And mm-hmm. that'll, yeah, that seems like a weird beholder scheme. Or the, maybe they're like, uh, maybe they're like, st- like stillborn versions of itself that had dreamed into reality. And yeah, then, it woke up too fast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They only, like the vaguest impression of a beholder that it dreamt of wakes up and it's just kind of floating there. And then over time fills with its own like necrotized gases. Yeah. Because it's not really alive. So it just is kind of like decomposing on the inside and the yeah. mixture is super poisonous. It's got like the outside shell of a holder and it floats around and it, it kind of thinks it's real, but it's nothing but like, you know, like a, abominable oh, no, like, yeah. nonsense inside of it. Make them talk. Yeah. Even though they're just, but make them be like, oh, hello. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry I had scared you before. Yeah. Come. I'm the big evil beholder. <laughs> it actually thinks it is. And maybe it has like one little eye ray, but it's like so it just like shoots uh glitter. Yeah. Or something. It's <laughs> like, it it just has prestidigitation. Um, oh yeah, so like little harmless like yeah, bloom, harmless sound I effects and, and a bouquet of flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like um so this is like, I usually don't like all these different versions of a monster. I yeah. like the main one, but because of this, the dream thing, I think they're all valid now. I think I actually like that there's all these different kinds of beholders as long as they are related to the beholder that kind of dreamt of them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I like the, the way a death tyrant, those are the, the evil undead beholders. Yeah. I like the way they come about. They just have a dream where they don't die and they're like, you know what? <laughs> I that's true. I yeah, don't die. Yeah. How many times yeah. have you had a dream where like something really bad happens to you, or like like maybe you died, or you saw something die, and you or you think you died, but you're still you know how dream logic works. Or like yeah, yeah and I, then I died, but I wasn't dead, and I was in uh, uh, the sky dome, but it wasn't the sky dome. Like yeah, these things that you are something and not something at the same time. It's very common, so it makes total sense that a beholder would dream that it died, but not really. Yeah. And then you wake up and that's like actually true. Yeah. And then they um it does mention that they're they're really into creating armies armies of the undead and just like the place gets swarmed with zombies when they show up because they just can't stop turning people into zombies. Can't stop the dream. They just can't stop doing it. I think that's and they're they're uh yeah, that's like their thing is they just are constantly turning like raising armies of the undead because they just like sending zombies after people which i don't know i wouldn't i don't think you can universalize too many things other than like their weird inherent sense of superiority and their like total insanity but like you know i could but you well, let's put ourselves in the beholder's shoes now right in its big face uh in its helmet in his helmet it had the dream where it didn't die it was like yeah of course not so it doesn't die it it, it wakes up as a as a as a naked beholder skull with like floating eyes that are just lights all around it. And I was like, you know what? If I don't die, 
and I'm controlling everything around me by thinking it, well, then I'll just make everything else more like that, right? I'll just make everything skeletons that do what I want, just like me. It's so much easier. Yeah. And so it's it's got, and, and the, it's just like clear cut, like logic in its brain. It was like, no, 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 it's better this way. It's better when everything is a skeleton that's like me, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I don't know. But they also, um, I don't know, I think they don't have to be anything, but they kind of do have to be like uh, babbling maniacs, I think. Right. Yeah, the the murmuring to itself yeah. that the first image looks like it's it's doing is amazing. It looks like it's mumbling to itself, and its lips are so slack and loose from doing that all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, play up the madness of them. It doesn't they're they're aggressive and hostile, but it doesn't have to mean that they kill you on sight. It just means that they're trying to figure out how to get rid of you in a way that doesn't like uh like because they have to consider you. I think because of their uh, the well worn uh threads of paranoia that it's thinking about all the time in its mind it's like yeah. who are these people what how do i handle them yeah so they're not going to attack right away oh and- you could you could have one be preoccupied when you encounter it by it's, it's trying to eradicate just like a bunch of like moles like mole rats that mm-hmm. have like burrowed into its like area a little bit like a colony of them or something mm-hmm. and then it, it thinks these are invaders it doesn't realize they're just like you know, little animals that are. Oh really yeah, I could wait. Yeah, I could. Like, I could see them invaders. as the as spear yeah. tip of like a great conspiracy and yeah. a great insurgency against. You itself. show up and it's like, are you with them? Yeah. What does their leader? What want? kind of bacteria are you? Are you like on my side or their side? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think even like a, a conspiracies that have nothing to do with things underground could, at first, could like lead back to a beholder's like insane scheme Mm -hmm. or like protection that's trying to run on itself against something that was never actually trying to hurt it and the more bonkers you make its conspiracy theory the better yeah exactly yeah yeah because it doesn't have it can it can delightfully not make any sense this is the thing like they're kind of whimsical in how like silly they are but they're not they're 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 deadly serious uh which is a fun place it's a fun niche to be in i think um, being able to kind of do whatever you want. And it's like, it's madness and it's funny because it's, you could, oh, it's crazy. But it's like, there's an edge of seriousness and it's, it's like madness as like a debilitating, dangerous force rather than just like a silly, like lucky, uh, uh, playful thing. I think that's, that might be everything. I don't want to retread stuff. Oh, I read, here's something about pig brains. related to the uh the horror of being purely subjective so apparently they've done uh these experiments on pig brains and they're able to reanimate the brains by themselves Ah. by applying lots of heat and um like submerging them in blood and doing all these weird things that like technically they have like live pig brains in like a jar oh man are like right? neurons firing inside of the i don't know brain? about the firing of the neurons but right. it's technically alive okay um, but it might be like nothing going on in it yeah. but it's like the cells are alive yeah the cells are alive but like there's nothing that it's like to be the pig brain. Uh, is the thing it didn't the article i read didn't say and i don't know if that was the, within the scope of the of the of the article mm, right and the, the research that was done but what they did say was that it's very likely that this could be done with primate brains because there's very little difference and there were it's there's a warning of like uh it's it could be just pure living hell if you are yeah, it's like you, and i have no mouth but i'm a scream yeah totally we've scenario. we've yeah. this is not a new thing that human beings have thought about lots of writers have talked about this uh 
You would just be living in your... It'd be like living in a brain in a jar. Yeah, It's totally. a and d thing that yeah. we're probably going to talk no, no. about later. It's like, or you upload your consciousness to a computer, but don't connect that computer to any program or the internet yes. or something. You, just, yeah. you, you can sit there and think for all eternity, but you can't do anything. That's the worst. That's it the, is. I, and this I, is an article yeah. that was fresh today. I read this this morning, and it was a new article in um in some british uh, i think the independent or something yeah see i'm 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 normally not one to be like this is too far science don't muck around with this but like whatever problems you're going to solve by creating a bunch of like brains in a vat that are having like i have no mouth but i'm a scream scenarios like it's yeah. probably not there's it's probably not take like the that. long way around if that's yeah if please. that's the path of least if resistance this, if there's a chance that the brain might be alive and of self-aware yeah. but with no ability to perceive anything outside of itself yeah. or interact with anything uh maybe don't yeah no i don't know what my favorite monster in this book is but i do know that that is my greatest fear is being trapped in some kind of i have no mouth but i'm a sphere scenario my there you go scenario. imagine yeah. imagine a, a kind of version of that where you're yeah. trapped within your dream logic yeah. sort of I guess the like, best way to do it, imagine you, human being, mm-hmm. West Grist, yeah. go to sleep, yeah. dream of yourself doing something, and then right. you wake up and this strange dream version of you is like just around the corner in your in your hallway. Yeah. Yeah. And then he thinks he's real. I mean, maybe you wouldn't try to kill yourself. You'd probably t- form like a really sweet prog band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know Knowing what we do. <laughs> yeah. There was an article I read... <laughs> A while ago where is if you if you come into contact with like your exact clone like your your you have like a perfect teleporter clone mm-hmm. you 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 can only fight to the death or have sex you have no other <laughs> options like that's those are the only two like options that you have you can't just go about your lives there has to be some kind of finality. there has to be some sort of climax to yeah. it yeah hey yeah um i think it was a cracked article though so this isn't like a yeah, very take reputable it, yeah take not it with, they're not time scientists yeah I don't know what I would do if I had a version versions of myself multiplying every time I went to sleep. I like to imagine I'd get more things done. Yeah, if there's just the one, I'd be like, okay, packed. We both, we just, we just, we're just gonna like tag team life. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think it might be kind of like Rick and Morty. Yeah, all the different timelines, but I guess it'd be a little different because dream selves are different than, or how are they? Are dream selves different than, uh, like different reality selves? Different dimension selves i don't know because i've had some dreams where like it wasn't a lucid dream so i didn't know i was dreaming and i was dreaming but i remember most of it and um i wasn't like Wes grist in that dream i was like somebody else with a different past that i thought was real right you know? so maybe i don't know it's it's weird dreams are weird dreams are weird yeah and i think that should be like the the dream basis the dreams that beholders have are really kind of understated in the fifth edition manual stuff. And I think that is a huge wasted opportunity. Yeah. And like the biggest part of them is the fact that they dream reality into existence and that they're so paranoid uh, because of that. It doesn't make the connections. The book doesn't connect the things that it tells you really. Yeah. It leaves it up to you, which is hopefully what we've done tonight. Maybe. Uh, I've got nothing else before I like, I don't want to repeat myself. Yeah, I guess, I don't know, if you want to, like, make a sweet beholder adventure, just, like, keep a dream journal and lift stuff from your dreams. Oh, that's a good idea. If you, you, like, you'll have weird dreams. You will, right? So then Mm. you'll get lots of, and then a lot of that stuff normally, there might be some, like, weird spatial paradoxes, some stuff that only makes sense in dreams, you know? Like, when you, like, walk through a doorway and, like, suddenly you're in a totally different house or you, you, suddenly you're in the forest, but then you you don't, like, process the change. Like, things Mm. just are weirdly different sometimes and, you know, you, you, you know dreams are weird right so just make 
things get progressively weirder and weirder until you find the beholder using your dream journal as a basis you could yeah. you could kind of cheat that and just do like look at your bookshelf or or your movie shelf if you've got one of those and just like i'm going to make a dungeon in each room i'm going to pick something off the shelf yeah and like turn to a random page or pick an element that i remember and like use that element throw it in there and then pick a different totally different thing for the next uh, thing in the dungeon or the yeah. thing about the beholder so that you have all these very different elements from different sources that have different archetypes playing with different motifs and ideas but like mash them together because that's a dream and then see yeah see what happens yeah. all right uh that's probably it that was monster manual mash beholder edition thanks to carl who's outside talking to work people for the cacodemon corner um that's it you go home now yeah, uh, what's 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 up next? Oh, good question. What is up next? Blights. Blights. Plant people. Plant people. Plant people that are vampire plant people. Vampire plant people that look like muscle bros, sort of. All right. Bye. Bye.